Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, another off day for the Dodgers, another mailbag episode for us. There's some questions about James Outman. There's some questions about the starting rotation. And as always around this time, there's questions about the trade deadline. We're going to get into all of that. That's what's on tap. So make sure to keep it Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Lockdown Dodgers. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Lockdown, your team every day. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This is the Daily Podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube if you search for Lockdown Dodgers. And if you want to join the Everydayers, which is the group of people that listen to Lockdown Dodgers every day, all you have to do is listen every day. And to make it easier to do that, you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube, and you will get the notification when our episode is live. So go ahead and do that right now. If this is your first time listening or watching, I'm Vince Samperio. That's my co-host, Jeff Snyder. We're both lifelong Dodger fans. We've both been around the Dodgers uh, most of our lives, sometimes in the capacity where we cover the team, sometimes in the capacity where we have spent time in the clubhouse and locker room, but mostly in the capacity of being fans that are knowledgeable, I would say. And, uh, you know, that's where we're at now. And we're here to bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. Jeff, how's it going? Good, good. I'm excited for this one. We got a lot of good questions. Yeah, once again, you guys are killing it with questions this year for mailbags. We're not, you know, before we would get a lot of the same questions, which would make sense in some cases, and in some cases, uh, maybe beating the dead horse. But we haven't got to that point yet. We're getting a lot of variety in questions and a lot of different questions. So uh, with that being said, let's jump in right into those questions. And this one is an interesting concept that I've seen on social media and now in the form of a question from Danny at ITFDB626. He says, would trading for J.D. Martinez at last year's trade deadline have made a difference in the series against San Diego? Yeah, it is an interesting idea. Uh, It definitely, I mean, overall, the problem with the Dodgers wasn't a lack of good hitters. is that their good hitters didn't get hits in key moments. Uh, But they also did have, you know, uh, they had some at-bats that were taken by guys who, in a perfect world, probably wouldn't have been. You know, Trace Thompson was really struggling. Cody Bellinger ended up on the bench for Trace Thompson. And it's like, well, uh, which one of our guys who can't hit should we send up to the plate? And, you know, uh, so, yeah, maybe having J.D. Martinez would have helped there. Uh, it's it. I, I can't go so far as to say it definitely would have because the Dodgers did have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Will Smith and Max Muncy and, you know, a lot of good players, Trey Turner, and yet they didn't they didn't hit when they needed to. Uh had plenty of guys in scoring positions, just didn't get them in. And so would JD have made a difference? I don't know. Uh, but uh if he was deployed right, I guess. Uh I mean, and part of the problem was it was center field was a big black hole for the Dodgers offensively in that series. And uh JD Martinez wasn't gonna help much with that. Uh, you know, Chris Taylor can play center, but it's not like Chris Taylor would have been the answer, you know, like JD is a DH and uh, I don't know that there would have been enough defensive flexibility to move guys around 
in order for JD to really fill the holes that the Dodgers actually had in that series. Yeah. If you just take it at face value, would JD Martinez have gotten a hit? Well, like one hit extra with runners in scoring position, probably, which might have changed at least one game in the series potentially. But again, it wasn't, you know, it would have been a lot of other movement around that had to have happened in order for him to have fit on the roster, just the way they deployed it last year. Yeah. And, and even saying he probably would have got one of those hits. You know, you could say the same thing. Would Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman or Will Smith or Trey Turner or Max Muncy have gotten one extra hit with the Rangers scoring position? You'd say, of course they would. One of them would have for sure. And none of them did. You know, so it's uh, who, who knows what would have happened. But uh, all right. Next question. Uh, I like this one from Brandon Johnson at Brandon John 442. Brandon's been sending us good questions in ever since we were the Scully Avenue podcast. He's probably been listening to us for as long as anybody. Uh, and he says, is there any world where Andrew Friedman would trade for Aroldis Chapman this trade deadline? There is a world that it does happen. I don't know if it's the one we're currently living in. Um, but, you know, if you believe in other dimensions and things of that nature, then, yeah, I do think that it's possible. And, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know how deep they would go into, you know, changing as a person and everything else. But just based on what happened last year with the Yankees, and that might have been an issue more of like communication between Yankees and Chapman and maybe just a freight relationship in general. But, you know, they basically said, if I'm not going to pitch, in the, if I'm not going to be on the roster, then I'm not going to go to the workouts or whatever case, or I'm going to get there when I want to get there type deal. So, you know, that's on top of the issues that prevented them from trading for him the first time. And, you know, the fact of the matter that Friedman isn't, doesn't normally trade for a big time reliever anyways. And the fact that some of the reliever trades he has made haven't quite worked out for the Dodgers. I don't see it happening, but you know, there's like a 1% of me that wouldn't be surprised if it came up or if they're not linked to him at least. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're more than seven years removed from the big baggage. The reason they didn't trade for him in the first place. I, I don't think that would still keep them from getting him. Uh, you know, for me, it really boils down to the price because we do know that Andrew Friedman has said publicly he doesn't like trading for relievers uh, because they're so volatile. I don't know that it gets more volatile than Aroldis Chapman. Even this year, you know, he's got a 295 ERA, which is solid. He's got a 197 FIP, which is really good. Uh, but he also has a 5.9 walks per nine. You know, and it's like he's walking way too many guys. And, and this is three straight years of walking way too many guys. Uh, and, you know, He's striking out a ton. It hasn't given up a home run this year. Uh, so that's why his FIP is low because he, you know, obviously he doesn't give up many hits because he throws a zillion miles an hour. Uh, but he hasn't given up a home run. And that's been the big thing. Would that continue? Who knows? Uh, for me, it would come down to if the Royals are asking for anything even resembling the price of a, an elite reliever, no way in the world. Uh, but if, it's bargain bin, you know, and, you know, if there's enough baggage around him for all these reasons I just mentioned that they could get him for a reasonable price, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they went after it. But really, it comes down to what the Royals are asking. Yeah. All right. We'll do one more question about another player. Um, this guy is struggling, not so much baggage, but uh, Louie at Louie Louie 993 asks, you think the Dodgers would consider Javi Baez? <sighs> Javi Baez so far this year has basically been Miguel Rojas, except getting paid a crap load of money. 
Uh, he, he's been terrible at the plate this year. He's got a 63 OPS plus. Uh, he doesn't take walks. He's never taken walks. He strikes out too much. Javi Baez, other than playing good defense and having a lot of power, the Dodgers like those things. Even that, though, he has three home runs this year. You know, But he he's basically the opposite of the Dodgers' style of a player. He strikes out a ton, doesn't walk much. Dodgers don't mind the strikeouts, but you got to pair it with walks. And Javi Baez has a 270 on base percentage. He has a 300 career on base percentage. Uh, he's not, even at his best, you know, he finished second in the MVP voting in 2018. His on-base percentage that year was 326. I mean, he he was he got that those votes based on excellent defense and and uh, you know some power and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. I Dodgers already have a good defensive shortstop who can't hit. I don't know that they need to trade for a good defensive shortstop who can't hit and also gets paid uh, 25 million dollars a year. Yeah, it would take a lot you know for the tigers to pay down that contract for the dodgers to even consider it and the main consideration i would give which may or may is probably not rational but you could talk yourself into it being rational is that the one time he was traded midseason he was really good he had a 371 on base percentage for the mets in 47 games 886 ops 140 ops plus and he looked you know really good that after being traded in a season. So if that would be the most rational reason why the Dodgers could go after him. Yeah. Oh, also 25 million bucks a year for another four years after this year too. So I count me out on that one. Yeah. Um, James Outman topic of conversation. We're going to talk about him. A few questions from you guys asking about him. So that's what's on taps. Make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by game time. Have you ever, Decided to go to an event last minute and the venue doesn't have any more tickets, but it's not the 1990s anymore. You don't have to wait for the venue to have tickets. You can just get tickets on any third party app. And if you are going to use a third party app, you need to be using game time because game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They got killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you don't have to stress over tickets and you can start getting hype for all the fun you're about to have. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy the tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. You don't have to dig through your email. They're already there for you directly in the app. And with the game time guarantee, you always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So they'll buy you something with that extra 10% if you find cheaper tickets somewhere else. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app right now, create an account and use the code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, that's create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off with the game time app. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Make sure to become a part of the everydayers by listening to us every single day, wherever you get podcasts, and on YouTube, and on the SXM, Sirius XM, if you search Locked On Dodgers, which is also where you can listen to Dodger games. Uh, the home broadcast for every Dodger game, Sirius XM, or the SXM app, just search Dodgers, Reds, uh, Dodgers are playing in Cincinnati, which means some four o'clock games, which means you might need to listen on the way home from work. So SiriusXM got you covered. SiriusXM, SXM app, search Dodgers and get the home broadcast. 
All right, Jeff, I'll, I'll keep on with questions here. We got a couple that Taylor toward James Outman, one from our buddy Kevin at Blue Goon 82. Says, what happens if Outman continues to struggle? He adds, Hayward's more suited for the corner in a platoon. Same with Peralta. Taylor can't hit enough to play every day. DeLuca's an unknown. Is it Outman or bust? And then another question from Aaron at MV17 up NXT. Uh, second part of another question. So we'll go to that part. So say Outman continues to struggle at the plate. How long do you imagine his leash to be extended? Uh, we can get into a little bit of Miguel Vargas as well in that sense. Yeah. Uh, Outman, you know, I, I think he's going to bounce back at least somewhat. I don't think he's going to hit like he did in April, uh, but I do think he'll bounce back. I, I wouldn't say it's Outman or bust. Uh, I, I think I get what Kevin's saying about Hayward being more suited to the to a corner, but also Hayward has played pretty well in center field. Uh, they have, you know, Chris Taylor not hitting enough to play every day is probably currently true, but not necessarily going to remain true. Uh, who knows? But I, I think between Outman, Taylor, and Hayward, they have plenty to cover center field. Uh, I don't know that it's ideal if Outman doesn't bounce back. Um I think center field is a position, position you'd like to have as kind of a, a keystone and have a guy to hit well enough to play every day. Um, you know, I, I did, uh, you know, a, a Kevin in a different question asking about uh, trade trade targets. He, he throws out the name Cody Bellinger, which is one that I s- semi-half-jokingly mentioned in, in my preseason predictions uh, episode as the Dodgers' midseason acquisition would be Cody Bellinger. And, uh, you know, Bellinger's, I think he's still hurt because I, I was watching the Cubs today and Christopher Morrell was still playing center field. Uh, so, but Bellinger was hitting pretty well before he got hurt. Where have we heard that story before? Um, so, you know, a, a guy like Bellinger could become available if the Cubs aren't in the running and, you know, he's only signed for one year. It's not crazy to think the Dodgers could trade for Bellinger. Uh, that would be an interesting thing. And, uh, you know, it's... So, yeah, I don't think it's Outman or Bust, but I do think they need Outman to play a lot better than he's played the last few weeks. Yeah, I think it's Outman or Bust for now, you know, for at least the next month till everything starts rounding itself into place. I think there's a chance for Johnny DeLuca to take some playing time away from James Outman if he plays well. And then, you know, if he plays well against his spots against lefties, Realistically, he's going to face some righties in a couple of those games if he stays the game into the later parts of the game. And if he's just – if Outman continues struggling and DeLuca's not struggling, you know, I could see them trying him out there. So there's different ways for them to go about it. Realistically, if Outman doesn't figure it out, if DeLuca's not that guy, you know, Hayward Peralta, they're good, but, you know, we don't – you can't count on them yet. Uh, and then, you know, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor, it depends what you're thinking about. If you're thinking about regular season and winning – Chris Taylor is fine. He has a 98 OPS plus now, and I'm pretty sure Cody Bellinger was nowhere near that the last two years on the Dodgers as the main center fielder, and they still won a lot of games in the regular season. Everything in postseason, obviously, yeah, that's a little bit different question. But when it comes down to it, I think they're going to make a deal, and then this next month or so, next month, month and a half, is going to decide, are we looking for a center fielder that can hit? Are we looking for any outfielder that we can hit? Are we looking for anybody that can play outfield or shortstop that can hit? Or are we looking for two bat? You know, there's going to be different questions that get answered here in the next six weeks. Hopefully, Outman can at least get to, you know, find a middle ground between his first month of the season and his next month. 
but that also remains to be seen. And then on the Miguel Vargas front, it's one of those two where you know, he's good enough right now, but you know, realistically, they're not going to go out and trade for like three or four bats, and, and I don't see that happening. If guess they could go the route the Braves did in 2021 and try to find the, like cheap bats that maybe could catch fire in a postseason series, you know, Solera, Rosario, Jock, all those types of guys, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, Vargas, I think, is going to get more rope than Outman just because he was a more highly touted prospect, and there's a reason for that. It's because Vargas is a better pure hitter than Outman, and so they have higher expectations for Vargas going forward. Uh, but yeah, I think both of them are going to get quite a bit of leash, at least for the next little little while. Um, let's lump a couple together. Uh, another part of Aaron's question uh, asking who gets sent down when Julio returns and Derek at D underscore Frank 34 asks who gets sent down when Dustin May comes back. And so both of those uh, we've touched on a little bit, but uh, it's two different questions that kind of address the whole rotation thing. Yeah. One's easier to answer in the fact that we don't know when Dustin May is coming back and we don't know who's going to be in the rotation when Dustin May comes back. So, you know, the fact that he's on the 60 day IO means he's not coming back till July anyways, at the earliest, realistically, I wouldn't expect him back that early anyways. So can't answer that one, but when it comes down to Julio and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, I honestly think Syndergaard's going to get a phantom IO stint to keep him on the roster, but to not, you know, have to, release him or somebody claims him potentially. I think they want to keep him on the roster for some insurance in case some of these other arms, somebody gets hurt or in case they have a need for like a six man rotation or Bobby Miller needs to take a breather at some point, assuming he continues to pitch well. So uh, yeah, I think Cinder guard to the IO and Julio's back. Yeah. And yeah, the, the May question really comes down to, well, who's healthy at the time and uh, who hasn't been jettisoned already. And cause yeah, I mean, may probably, probably not back before the trade deadline, at least not too far be- before the trade deadline. And so, you know, it may be Corbin Burns who is is in the rotation at that point uh, or somebody like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Are right, we got time for a quick one. This one's more up your alley as our resident baseball knowledge person from the Palooka at Joseph Luca one. First question, as far as the pitch clock rules, if the clock doesn't reset until the pitcher receives the ball on the mound, could he take a trip on the grass around the mound and get a breather before stepping on the hill? No, I, I don't uh, I don't know the exact wording of the rule, but I don't think the pitcher has to be on the mound. I think it's when the pitcher gets the ball back uh, from the catcher. And so, uh, and, and I definitely know that they will call shenanigans on anybody trying to circumvent the pitch clock. And so uh, I, I don't think there are loopholes. I think they've identified most of those potential loopholes. And I do think there's some umpire discretion if if somebody is, you know, something that's not addressed clearly in the written rule, uh, but the umpire sees that they're trying to mess with something, he'll say, hey, knock that off and, you know, and, and call them out on it. So I, I don't think there's there's much way around that. Yeah. And then his other question, how much of the pitch sequence comes from the catcher as opposed to the bench? Uh, he added, he always wonders as he sees the catcher looking to the dugout before giving a sign or nowadays pushing a button. Yeah, and, and that depends on the the team and the catcher and everything. Uh, as far as I know, from what I've seen, both Will Smith and Austin Barnes basically call their own games. When they look over to the dugout, it's more along along the lines of, in some situations, uh, you know, the bench will want to call for make a pickoff throw to give our reliever more time to to warm up, or uh, go out and talk to the pitcher, or you know, uh, 
or intentionally walk the guy or whatever. But for the most part, the Dodgers catchers are calling their own games. And so very little of that is coming from the bench during the game. Obviously, there's a ton of input from the coaching staff and the scouting staff during the the meetings leading up to a game to prepare for it. But in game, the catchers are doing the, the vast majority of the work. All right, we got a few more questions from you guys, but first we're going to talk about BetterHelp. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And, you know, when you think about yourself and you think about your life and how much time do you spend on yourself in a given week versus how much time you spend on other people and and how you find that balance between the two. And it's, especially if you're someone like me who's a people pleaser, it's easy to get caught up with what everyone else needs from you. Never really think about what you need. You know, I'm one to to say that I celebrate my birthday bigger or for like a week at least every year just because throughout the rest of the year, I'm kind of worried about everybody else and taking care of everybody else. But during that, you know, week around in February, I'm trying to do it myself. So it's hard to to always be giving. It can leave you feeling stretched out thin. It can leave you feeling burnt out. It can feel you leaving, you know, in a bit of a of a different mood or, you know, not as as joyful as you can be. So BetterHelp can help you out because therapy can, it can be a benefit and, and it can, you know, somebody talking with you can always help out. And if it's a licensed therapist, they're more likely to help out because uh, that's what they're trained to do. So if you're starting, you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is go to better or BetterHelp and fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with the licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. That's visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MLB. Remember, SiriusXM, SXM app. Search Dodgers. You can listen to any Dodgers game, the home broadcast for those games. You can also find Locked on Dodgers on there if you search Locked on Dodgers. You can also find us where you find podcasts and on YouTube. Listen every day. Become a part of the everydayers. And you'll be some of the, our favorite people in this world. So go do all that stuff. And uh, let's get back to the questions, Jeff. We got one from Troy Sato. This will be an interesting one. Uh, it says, does it seem as though the Dodger defense gets exposed more when they play better teams because they aren't out slugging the other team? He adds, I know analytics don't necessarily take defense into account, but he misses the old days when the Dodgers infield started the same four guys and they were all good defensively. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a couple things where I quibble with the question itself. Uh, analytics does take defense into account. There are plenty of ways that that defense is measured these days uh interestingly often uh the guys who like like max muncie last year a lot of people were poo-pooing his third base defense but he actually graded out pretty well he actually played pretty well he wasn't going to win a gold glove or anything uh and maybe that you know it comes down to well he's not as good as machado or Arenado or key brian hayes or whatever uh but you know he he was solid and i think he's been mostly solid after you know the first couple of weeks of the season this year, Muncie really struggled. But since then, he's been pretty solid. Not Again, not gold glove quality, but holding it down just fine and more than making up for it with his bat. Uh, so uh, analytics does cover that. The other thing that I kind of quibble with is, you know, starting the same four guys and them all being really good defensively. Uh, it's, I, I think that 
it has more to do with nostalgia than reality sometimes. Uh, and it depends on which era we're talking about. I, I assume we're talking about, if we're talking about the same four guys starting all the time, maybe he's going back to the seventies and the big four of Steve Garvey, Davey Lopes, Bill Russell, and Ron say Ron say was very good defensively. Uh, Bill Russell became good later in his career. Wasn't very good to start with. Davey Lopes was, was fine. Steve Garvey was very good at scooping balls, one goal gloves. Uh, you know, there's only so much that, a, a so much, a defense a first baseman can provide and Steve Garvey was fine. Um, but I, I do, I do think that maybe uh, that is exaggerated in the minds of people who remember it a little bit. And also I think it's worth noting that uh, those big four won one world series and, and that was in their, what their eighth or ninth year together. And so uh, you know, going back to the, the actual basis of the question, does defense get exposed more in, against better teams? That might be true. You know, closer games, every little bit uh, can hurt. And so, although, I mean, th- this game against the Yankees, it was an, a throwing error by Bruce Dargatterall that really hurt them in that one. Uh, you know, there was a play earlier in the game that, did they call an error on that? The, the one that got between Muncie and Taylor? Um, I think they did call an error on that, uh, which, I wouldn't be surprised if that gets changed since it didn't end up leading to a run, so it won't affect anybody's ERA or anything. I wouldn't be surprised if they changed that to a hit since nobody actually got a glove on it. Uh, but again, that one didn't lead to a run. It didn't actually impact the game. The The big play that hurt them was a throwing error by the pitcher, and that's, you know, I it has nothing to do with infield defense. And, and you know, Bruce Starr is actually, he, he kind of leads the majors in comebackers, and so he actually plays his position pretty well. He just made a bad choice to, to throw that ball instead of eating it. Uh, yeah, uh, in a perfect world, they'd have nine gold glovers, you know, at every position, but realistically, I don't think the Dodgers defense is a huge issue for them so far this year. Yeah. And then even in recent memory, you know, you think last year, Trey Turner, like he just made errors in crucial spots. So yeah, was exposed in the sense that he made errors in the bit, you know, in the playoffs and every Gavin Lux error led to 18 runs. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the Dodgers never had a point in the 90s, or even if they did have a point in the 90s where everybody was playing and they were good defensively, they weren't good as a team. It hasn't happened in the early 2000s, and it really hasn't happened in this string because Seager's been the Seager was a shortstop for most of this string of recent success, and he's not good defensively. He's just kind of there. And it was Hanley Ramirez before that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we just have time for one more question. This one came to our email from Stephanie Heider. Uh, she has my question about Alex Vesia. She went to uh, the games on Friday and Saturday with her dad, who's a Yankees fan. Um, and she has seen Vesia a couple times at Oracle Park. She lives uh, in Portland, but she's been to a couple games at Oracle Park this year and seen Vesia interact with the fans. She said a Giants fan asked him who his pitching inspirations were. I remember being impressed with how thoughtful his answer was and how much time he took with the guy. Two pitchers he named that stood out to me are CC Sabathia and David Price. Anyway, I've been so upset for him this season. I was really nervous on Saturday, but he looked sharp and seemed to be back in command. But because I was at the game instead of watching on TV, I didn't get any commentary or insights about what he might have been doing differently in his approach, if anything. I want to get your thoughts on whether he might be starting to turn things around, if he just had a lucky outing, or if you noticed something different. And uh, main reason I want to read this one is because I think, Vince, you and I are both in a similar boat to Stephanie in that we weren't watching that game on TV. I was you know, listening on the radio at times, I was at my son's baseball tournament and I was mostly just following along on the, on the MLB app as much as I could. 
and watching with the volume down when I was watching. And I think you were at a soccer match or something, a uh, hockey game. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I don't know. But uh, I do think that with Vesia, what we've seen in the past from Estent in the minors can get him turned around. And obviously it didn't happen immediately this time, but I do have hope for that. Yeah, and, and like we talked about last time, Robert's alluded to the pitch clock being an issue with him. He had a conversation with Vesia and that he didn't say directly, but that was basically what the gist of it was, was that the pitch clock was really messing with him. And he's a guy that likes to slow the game down. If he can find a way to slow the game down in his own way, that's still within the pitch clock parameters. I feel like he'll be better. But again, with, you know, Ferguson and Victor Gonzalez being better than him right now, and even Brule, at least this season have been comparable to him. He, and the Dodgers being in a close race at the moment, he kind of has to figure it out sooner rather than later. Yep. All right. Uh, left a couple questions on the table, but nothing we can't get into or might not or might get into at some point this week or in the next. So thank you guys for all your questions. Again, thank you all for listening. Thanks for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Dodgers are in Cincinnati for the next three days. So we'll have some some earlier games uh, for those on, on Pacific time. So I, I think Hunter Green got skipped in his start. So we're not going to see Hunter Green and the Dodgers are going to face some some other guys, uh, John DeLuca get his first start on Wednesday. Hopefully maybe get a nap out on Tuesday at some point. So there's things to look forward to in the series. The Reds are playing well as of late, but the Dodgers still have a better team should be able to take care of business. So thank you all for listening. Becoming every day or by listening every day. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube. You can also find us on Sirius XM or the SXM app, which is where you can find Dodger home broadcasts. If you search for Dodgers, you can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent's91. DMs are open on all those accounts. You can also get a hold of us via email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com or via voicemail text at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, if you're at home, text my advice by podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.